Well, Congratulations, <laughs> by the way. That, that was a little buzzer that went off in my hand there. And you've just reached two episode territory, Finton. You may be the first guest I have. You may be the first. That's good news and bad news now for you, because you may be the first guest I have who I'm willing to uh, indulge for a two episode. So I'm going to plow ahead. So when you're locked in a conversation with someone as informed and interesting as Fintan O'Toole, time has a tendency to slip away. And that's exactly what happened when Fintan and I caught up a couple of weeks ago to talk about his new book, We Don't Know Ourselves. A brilliant book, by the way. I recommend it highly. Uh, And a lot more besides. We went very deep on so many big topics, but we also went very personal, talking about Fintan's childhood stammer, how many of his childhood friends, for example, ended up on heroin um, and in very difficult situations. And also fascinating insights into his creative process. All that is in part one, um, but this episode is part two of our chat because we wanted to make it a two-parter because there was just so much in it, really. And Fintan is in fine form on subjects like Sinn Féin, patriotism, Boris Johnson. He's very interesting on Brexit, of course, uh, and Boris Johnson and his critics, especially. This is another good one, folks. If I was 30... I'm pretty sure I would vote for Sinn Féin. I'm 63 and I can't. I'm not saying that the IRA was the only guilty party. The loyalists were murdering bastards. You know, the sectarianism, the bigotry, the British government behaved appallingly. But you have to take responsibility for your own actions. What do people criticise you for? (laughs) Be as honest as you can with me. They would say arrogant prick, you know. I mean, who does he think he is um, pontificating? And so Boris brilliantly starts a campaign, save the prawn cocktail flavoured crisp. He knows it's a lie. His editor knows it's a lie. And in a way, his readers sort of know it's a lie. This is a game we're all playing. And the more outrageous it is, it's trolling. the more fun it is. Could you just tone down the language there? You've used about four words which the Sunday Independent readers wouldn't understand. So could you just use less polysyllabic <laughs> words, please? Could you say uproar or outrage or house prices or something, will you? And Fintan also gets some interesting calls from celebs you might recognise. Don't miss those either. All of that coming up after this week's brand new and exclusive uh, comedy sketch, which has a very festive theme because the most bizarre news of this week uh, was, for all of us to hear this news, was the advice from Health Minister Stephen Donnelly that Christmas pantomimes should be allowed to go ahead as planned this year, but that the children, uh, it's recommended that they should not attend. Yeah, pantos without kids. What? Yes, I was as shocked as you. But the news has been spreading fast and uh, some of the global leaders around the world have also been giving their reaction to this latest news from Ireland. The Prime Minister! Mr Speaker, may I say that we can be proud of our leadership here in Great Britain. When, 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 When you look at the Banana Republic of Ireland... And you see the tragic spectacle of pantomimes without children. Yes, indeed, we can laugh, Mr. Speaker, unlike the children of era. They say that at Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, oh, no, you can't come in. Well, here in Britain, we say, oh, yes, you can. Australia News. G'day, the news on Channel 9. Fly Menora. What's happening in Ireland, mate? Kids as young as eight years of age being told, mask up or shove off. It's truth, and I thought we were the tyrannical bastards. 
We're back on Fox News with former President Donald J. Trump. Sir, Ireland. What's happening in Ireland is a disgrace, Todd. Weak leadership. Look at this guy, Stephen Donnelly. Yeah, Stephen Donnelly. What a character. You know, I call him Humpty Dumpty Donnelly. You know, weak. You know, pantos without kids. Can you yeah, believe it? Yeah, incredible. They need a strong leader, Todd. Tony yeah. Holland. Great guy. Tough guy. They say he's going to take over. They're going to take over. They're calling it a flu d'etat. <laughs> What's happening in Ireland is very, very sad. Pantomimes without children. What happened to Sammy Sausages? The whole world loved Sammy Sausages. I loved Sammy Sausages. Alan Hughes is welcome in Russia. Unfortunately, Ireland has become a tin pot dictatorship. (laughs) Sammy Sausages... Uh, should be kept alive uh, uh, for as long as possible when he visits uh, Russia, by the way, President Putin. Um, If you've been listening to recent episodes, you'll know that the lovely people at Curry's, official supporters of this very podcast, have given us a 58-inch Samsung Smart 4K Ultra HD TV as a prize for one of you lucky listeners. And it's all to celebrate Curry's Black Tag Sale. And Black Tag Sale was the right answer to the competition, of course. And we were inundated with entries, thanks to all of you who entered um, and emailed and sent WhatsApp to the hotline. But as they say, there could only be one winner. And that was Miss Katie Halpin from Dublin. Congratulations, Katie. You are the winner of a fantastic Samsung 58-inch Smart 4K Ultra HD TV Courtesy of Curry's. Well done. We'll be in touch soon. The Black Tag sale, of course, is still on. So get yourself down to Curry's fast because word apparently is spreading very quickly about this sale. Welcome back. We're joined as usual by Jamie. It's no problem, Nate. Uh, Mika. <laughs> and of course, Roy Keane. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah. Guys, is Harry Maguire offside here? Jamie. You know, it's so close, it's almost impossible to tell you. <laughs> I can't see, I just can't. Roy, it is difficult to make out what well, is happening. you can't see at the end of the day because we don't have proper screens. Sorry, I'm not quite with you, Roy. I mean, I'm what? sick of this nonsense every week. Can't see this, can't see that. If we had proper screens, we could see. Yeah, but Roy, what are you suggesting? I'm Why in- aren't you down in Curry's? Why aren't we down in Curry's? Curry's what? Black Tag Sale. What, what? Quality TVs, great screens, unbelievable prices. I mean, nobody beats these lads for prices at the end of the day. Nobody, nobody. So, what are we talking about, Roy? What I am mean... I talking about? What am I talking about? Sure, it's all here in front of me. JVCs, Panasonics, Sony Bravias, 58-inch, 65-inch, 75-inch. And these TVs are all smart, unlike Harry Maguire. They're flying out of Curry's. Up to €1,300 Euro off large screen TVs at the end of the day. It's a no-brainer. Honestly, I don't know why ye lads are not racing down to Curry's right now. Hello? Lads? Hello? The Black Tag Sale. Top of the range TVs. Unbelievable prices. Oh, credit to Curry's. <laughs> Thanks again to Curry's. Thanks to everyone who entered the competition. And stay tuned to this podcast for more great competitions in the coming weeks, as well as exclusive sketches and great interviews. But now it's time for part two of my chat with Fintan O'Toole, one of the most enjoyable chats I've had on this podcast series. Uh, one of the big subjects we covered in this part was Sinn Féin. And this is something that Fintan, as you might imagine, has a lot to say about. If I was 30, I'm pretty sure I would vote for Sinn Féin. I'm 63 and I can't. 
And the reason is I lived through the troubles. You know, I, I, I still can't get my head around Enniskillen, Le Mans, the proxy bombs, you know, Patsy Gillespie being strapped into his truck and, and you know, and sent to blow himself up, forced to do it or they kill his family. You know, like there, 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 there's a level of cruelty that I lived through, you know, not, not, I lived through in a very privileged way in, in Dublin, right? So I'm not saying I was on the front lines in Belfast or anything else, so that's people would remind me. And look, I know that happened and I know it can't be undone, right? So, so you know, I'm, I'm not stupid about that. I would like Mary Lou MacDonald or somebody to say, look, there was reasons why it happened, but it shouldn't have happened. There, 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 is, there is no excuse ever for looking at the Irish Collie Club dinner dance, which is the Le Mans bombing, for example. The Irish Collie Club? Why the Irish Collie Club? Because it was like the Monty Python thing. There was two Collie Clubs. One, I think, was the Collie Club of Ireland, which was Catholic, and one was the Irish Collie Club, which was Protestant dog owners, right? Their dinner dance, incendiary bombs with, with cans of petrol attached to them so that people would not just be killed, but like burn unrecognizably, you know, in agony. <laughs> you know, I mean, the Birmingham bomb in 74, they figured out, so they knew that Birmingham was unusual in that people got paid, working class people got paid on Thursdays rather than on Fridays. I don't know why that was the case, right? They paid on Thursdays. So Thursday evening was the time when the 20 year old fella and the 20 year old girl were working in the factory, working in the shop. They said, I meet you in the top of the town pub at six o'clock. You know, that's, you know, that was the time people had their money that they would go on dates to meet. T time the bombs for that day at that time, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm walking, you know, and, and, and leave the bombs and feck off. And just, you know, hard, hard working class kids, you know, just blow them to shit. I, 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 I just, I, I would love to hear somebody in authority just to say that was wrong. And, and we would never do it again. You know, like that, that, that we, we, we know why it happened. We know there are political circumstances. I know all that. I'm not denying, you know, that, that this happened in a whole context. I'm not saying that the IRA was the only guilty party. The loyalists were murdering bastards. You know, the sectarianism, the bigotry, the British government behaved appallingly at, at so many times throughout the whole thing. There's lots of guilt to go around, but you have to take responsibility for your own actions. You know, you have to take responsibility for those kinds of things. And uh, so I, I say to somebody who's 30, this is in a way not your problem, right? You, you, this is not your direct history, but you were talking about emotions. Emotionally, I still can't do it. I can't vote. Like my, my local Sinn Féin TD is Desi Ellis, you know, who was a bomb maker. I, I'm sorry. I just, I'm just not going to vote for a bomb maker. I'm just not going to do it. I can't do it. You know, and, and, and I, 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 I understand I can stand back from it and say this is a historical process whereby Sinn Féin is being integrated yeah. more and more elsewhere. Would, would that be a crux matter for you then, the idea of, so it's her, right? If she came out and said that, yeah. that that might change things for people of your generation. Is it possible? I think so. I mean, I think if it was done in a way, so just to take an example, right, uh, probably the nearest thing to the IRA in, in Europe during all those years was ETA, the Basque 
group in, in, in Spain. I mean, the leader of, the old leader of Etzer, like just, just came out a couple of weeks ago and said, we're really sorry, it shouldn't have happened. You know, we, 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 we shouldn't have done what we did. And, you know, he was criticized for it and, was, you know, but, but, but they got themselves to a point, right, of actually being able to say, you know, there's something wrong about what we did, really fundamentally. And I, I think if the Sinn Féin leadership collectively or Mary Lou individually or whatever, you know, made a, like a really sensitive, generous sort of statement saying that these, this way of doing politics you know, by putting bombs in pubs or whatever is not right. It's just, it's too cruel. It, 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 it devalues human dignity and human life to an extent that's just not acceptable. I think that would make a big difference to the way people like me would feel. I can't speak for anybody else. It would make a difference to the way I feel, certainly. Um, I mean, I, I, I completely accept, by the way, I, I accept the legitimacy of Sinn Féin as a political party. We, 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 we told them, you know, if the IRA gave up the arms campaign, there's a political way forward. You can't tell people it's a political way forward and say, yeah, but you're, you know, but, but you're, you're not legitimate. Uh, I do think there's a very strong likelihood of Sinn Féin leading the next government. Uh, I think there's an inevitability about that. Um, but but I also do think that thinking about what happened during the Troubles and, and talking about that in a really honest and open way has to be also then part of thinking about the future, right? Thinking about, you know, the United Ireland. What, what does that mean? What does reconciliation on the island of Ireland mean? getting away from the tribalism because if we don't do that then um we're, we, we could be what about the um element this 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 side to it finton the the idea that this is another thing that would be preventing maybe some people from voting Sinn Féin who are nearly there to use a euphemism but like the idea that if you did vote for Sinn Féin that actually it's not really them that's pulling the strings that there are shadowy figures in the background pulling the strings my own personal um, feeling about that, and listen, I'm an, I'm, I can be quite naive at times, so please don't bear with me. My own personal feeling about that is that that, that seems to be fanciful to me. But anyway, I'd like to hear your opinion. Do you think that's a possibility or do you think that's a legitimate uh, concern? Well, we, we, we did have this incident, if you remember, the, the renewable heating initiative in the north, the big scandal, Arlene Foster and the, 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 the money going into be <laughs> literally being burned going up in smoke and that kind of appalling um, misuse of public funds primarily by the DUP but we did see in the inquiry in that for example Martin Willior who was the, the Sinn Féin um, finance minister uh, looking for permission basically from a senior IRA figure to make a statement about it so so we we, we do have some evidence of this right so I'm I'm that's that's you know as a journalist I just say that's that's well that would worry you wouldn't it right? does it does it give us the full picture of, of everything happening? Um, by no means, no, clearly it doesn't. Um, but, but there is, you know, there's no doubt that Sinn Féin is a kind of command and control party, right? So, so whether you think about shadowy IRA figures or not, I mean, it has, a, it, it has the remnants of its militarist past, right? Which is it's very disciplined, it's very top-down, you know, and, and there's a message decided and that's the way it works. Um, you, you know, I... In a way, I'm less worried about that um, because I think the larger a party gets, the more impossible it gets actually to keep that discipline. You know, it's just it's just a natural process, uh, and I think um, you know the, 
the discipline of government itself would would change the party and cha- change the way it works. You know, I, I just think being in government, having to make these choices, it, is itself something maybe that people have to go through. I mean, I have huge admiration at a personal level for people like Ono Brin. You know, I think if you look at somebody whom you would want in politics, who who goes and studies an area, right? So he's not just a housing spokesman. He's He's really Look at Pierce Doherty in the insurance forums in the in the in the Oireachtas. Yeah. I just thought it was one of the most yeah. impressive performances. I mean, as a political, as a person yeah. who does political sketches, I'm not just looking from a political point of view or a biased political point of view. I'm looking at individuals as well, whoever they may be. So I would agree with yeah. you. There's some pr- very impressive individuals in the Sinn Féin side. And do you know why they're impressive? They're not that easy to take the piss out of in satire. And that's the definition of a quite a, yes. an impressive person. Whereas my sketches are <laughs> replete with Fianna Fallers and Fine Gaelers. Um, but, uh, yeah. and another impressive person, just to mention that, I've always felt Pascal Donoghue is personally impressive uh, on a number of, yeah. on a number yeah, of levels, exactly. which yeah. I find interesting. Um, quite apart yeah. from his politics, yeah. his, his genuine interest in literature. Now, he is still part of the Borg, so we have to deal with that. Um, yeah, yeah, well, you have to take exactly, yourself yeah. in, but... But, but, you know, I, I suppose just on, I mean, I think there's an inevitability about, about this, but certainly I would want to see Sinn Féin in government with a number of other parties who had pretty, also pretty tough people. You know, I mean, I really like Catherine Murphy, for example. I really like, you know, Roshan Shortland. I think there's other people who, who, who also have a great sharpness about them, you know, and, and I, I think it's going to be really important for Sinn Féin and government to be kept on its metal. Do you think to, the to body the, politic has improved over the last 30 years? And I suppose the, 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 the premise would be it used to be full of gombeans and gobshites and now there's a slightly better class of, of punter there. Would, would you agree or not? Or would you say it's still mixed? You know, um, I was thinking about this the other day, Mariana, and, and actually, uh, here's, a, here's a test, right? Um, the COVID money the vast amounts of money that became available in Ireland, you know, PPE, like buy buy everything. Were there real mistakes made in Ireland about paying too much for stuff and wrong stuff being bought and panic buying and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely, yes. Do we have any evidence like what happens in Britain of absolutely straightforward Putin-esque corruption, right? I mean, the Brits who, 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 who pride themselves on being kind of straight and honest, you know, had an actual... Um, fast track for friends of government ministers to get PPE and COVID contracts for hundreds of millions of pounds, including people who had no record, no expertise, no companies, nothing, you know. The, the flagrant corruption of that compared to what happened here, I think uh, is something mm-hmm. that we shouldn't miss, right? The the The... There was a degrees of incompetence and mistakes being made, and some of that are understandable under the under the pressure, right? And that should be absolutely criticised and investigated and all the rest of it. We don't have any evidence right now. Uh, maybe I'm being a bit naive about this. I'm just saying, as of now, we have no evidence of significant corruption in the spending of all those billions on on the COVID stuff. I am absolutely certain from my own journalistic history that if this was twenty years ago, you know. <laughs> We, we, we would have had um, companies popping up in all sorts of funny places, getting all sorts of funny contracts um, from from their friends, you know. So, you know, people rightly say all those bloody tribunals went on forever and they cost vast amounts of money and what did they produce and all this stuff. But 
I do think, and, and maybe this will come back to haunt me and people will play this and say, what an idiot, you know, but I do think public life is significantly less corrupt in Ireland than it was. I do think that the, the Fianna Fáil system, right, because it wasn't just like Charlie Hawhey up at the top of it taking a fortune, right? It was it went right down through Irish life and Irish society, right? Which was, you do favours for me, we'll do the favour for you. You know, everything was transactional. It was a whole machine, you know, and that machine was broken, you know, in 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 2011, you know, the the whole the collapse of the Celtic Tiger, all the rest of it, kind of smashed that. And I don't think it's coming back any more than the church and its corruption. You know, which manifested itself, of course, in in, in even more horrific stuff with, with, with the child abuse. I don't think that's coming back into the same kind of power either. So, you know, it's the awful cliche, but but absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we had in Ireland, this is when I was writing that book, you know, trying to think about the, over that whole period, you know, you had these two monoliths. You had Fianna Fáil of the church, and they weren't just monoliths, themselves but they also worked they were hands in glove you know and between them they had everything from sort of spirituality to you know um to to to, to beef contracts or whatever you know sewn up you know and and that is deeply corrupting because it means that everybody in the society has to be on side you're, you know? you're either in or you're out in the system and if you're out there's a consequence you know and 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 i think you know Ireland's not a bad place to be right now because look at Britain, look at America, you know, look, look at the places that we're kind of closest to and we pay most attention to. You know, we've, we've been through a bit of a revolution, actually, in terms of the way the society works. And, and 100%. Attitudes. I'm interested to hear you say that because I grew up in a generation which, is, which, is, which was like your generation. I was just a little bit behind you. Um, where basically the kind of the, the clarion call was because I, I was a teenager in the 80s. So when I was 17, it was in the height of the 80s emigration. Reeling in the... My, my, my teenage is a reeling in the years special, baby. And uh, it's George Michael's faith followed by, you know, you're on a fucking plane <laughs> over to Boston. And um, yeah. so it was like... Th- th- I can't wait to get out of this kip. Only in Ireland... Fucking place is a dump, church and all this, the Banana yeah. Republic and Banana yeah. Republic and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I but I, I, I've always had this sort of weird kind of patriotism. I don't know what it is. There's, there's something in me. Maybe it's because I'm not fully Irish and some of the people who aren't fully Irish are the most patriotic. My, my dad was a German doctor. He was in the Wehrmacht uh, and he married a, a, a nurse from Athen Rye and he set up his doctor's practice in, in Limerick and he made his family and one of his kids was Gabriel Rosenstock, who's my uncle, and there was a load of kids, and and so I'm 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 that gen- next generation, and I feel very very Irish. But really, what I want to see as a patriot is practical, and that is yeah. that it's it's an image that you could write in one of your columns. Almost, it's like I'm walking down the road, and the man opposite me on the other side of the road falls and breaks his leg. In that moment, I look across the road, and I realize if I'm in the right country, that that man, there would be a paramedic called quite, sure, quite soon yeah. to that man. And that not only that, if he needs medical attention, it will all be paid for by who? By me. The guy who hasn't even said hello yeah. to him on the other side of the street. He is my brother. 
And sh- there should be a recognition yeah. between him and me that we are each other's brothers, even though we may never meet. But he should know that I'm paying for him and that he's paying for me and that we will def- help each other like that. And that is a country that is patriotism for me. You know that old beautiful phrase in, in Irish is a scholic is is is, is a scholic you know, that it's it's in each other's shelter that we live, people live. We live in each other's shelter, you know. And and the older you get the more of course you realise just how absolutely fundamentally true that is, you know. Um and I think Ireland can be a real shelter for for, for all of us, you know. It's it's um it's just it's a it's a it's a fabulous place, you know. And I like your use of the word patriotic. I think it's a word we need to reclaim. You know, um, pa- patriotism is often kind of used as if it's the same thing as kind of chauvinism and anti-immigration and, and you know a kind of mad nationalism. Um, and actually, patriotism is just mm, loving your that's country. Right, that's all you know? it is. And uh, and I, I, you know the well, you know the, the James Connolly version of that. I mean, James Connolly said that you know Ireland without her people is nothing to me. You know, and that's true. I don't. You know, I love. Well, actually, I love the landscape and all the rest of it. But that's not. You know, the, the love is for the people, for the culture, for the society. I'm. I, I absolutely adore Ireland. I, I, you know, and and people say to you, "Oh, you're always whinging. You're always giving out. You're always criticizing." But you know, you you criticize a place because you have high opinion of it. Like, you know, I I, I think Ireland has the chance to be one of the best societies in the world. You know, we're we're really. We're we're on a roll demographically, you know. Just think, like we're one of the few societies now in in Western Europe where the demographic curve is upwards. You know, you look at Italy or Spain, you know, and 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 they're old populations. You know, alphas like me, you know, um, and uh, I just think it's it's wonderful to be in a in a in a society where we have both new populations in terms of people who've come in. I mean, when I was, even when you were leaving, Mario, or, or think about leaving in the 1980s and that mass immigration, the idea that within 20 years, like people would want to come to Ireland to, to make their lives and look for a job, you know, it's just, just ludicrous, you know. And and I think that's fantastic that's happened. I think it's fantastic that we, we you know, we, we might, over the next 15 years, we, we will probably recover from the famine. I know that might sound a ridiculous thing to say, but if you look at it in raw numbers, we're the only society I know of in the world where the population is still lower than it was in 1840. It was it was 8.5 million in 1841, you know, and 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 we're now kind of just mm. beginning to kind of we're getting back towards that, over, or maybe over the next decade. That's a wonderful thing, you know. I want you to participate in a what do you call it? A little exercise for me. You've probably never done this before. So. Yeah. Um, not everybody's a fan of yours, but I. But instead of me trying to elucidate that, is there any way you could? It's a sort of a journey in self therapy almost. What do people criticize <laughs> you for? Be as honest as you can with me. They would say arrogant prick. You know, I mean, who does he think he is um, pontificating? You know, uh, twice a week at least, maybe three, he's four paid times to. a week. We he's can't. paid to. <laughs> uh, well, that's what we. That would be my answer. It's the job I do, but but I can kind of understand. You know, I've I've been writing that column in the Irish Times like since 1988. It's a long time, you know. And people, it's a small country. People get tired of the same. Um, I think people would um, maybe see me as negative. You know, you're always criticizing things. Um, you know, you're not a good news bear, and that's certainly true. 
you know, I don't believe in happy clappy stuff. Um, I think the job of journalism is to is to challenge, you know. And but but I can understand again why people would feel that's negative. Uh, I've certainly been seen, and we were talking about patriotism. You know, for a lot of my life, I've been seen as very unpatriotic, very anti-Irish. Oh, now you're getting at something. It's been very amusing over the last few years because I've been writing a lot about Brexit in in Britain. Like, I had the weird business of having the best-selling book about Brexit in England. Uh, and then the Brexiteers accusing me of being anti-English. So I was absolutely delighted, you know, absolutely thrilled that I've now ceased to be anti-Irish. That's the ultimate expression of your patriotism. Uh, see you, well, to me, right, it would be the reason I get angry about, about shit in Ireland is because I actually have very high opinions about Ireland. You know, I, 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 I want it to be uh, as good as it could be. But again, I can understand why if you were, you know, a sort of serious nationalist, whatever, you know, you would, you would be... Um, You'd be pretty pissed off with what I've been writing. I think there's a lot of people would would um, would see me as being anti-Catholic, um, you know. And and I think over the years, a lot of stuff I would have written would probably have been very genuinely hurtful to to people. I know this because you know I come from a Catholic family. My mother was a very devout Catholic all her life. You know, I loved her deeply, and you know. Um, so then, so, so then, in other words, know, there's almost a. So in other words, by painting your own. Um, nasty obituary here. You're almost painting a picture of, let's say, a, a pro-unionist, self-entitled, arrogant, negative prick who uh, pontificates. Yeah. So that's yeah. what they'd say yeah. about you. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's you know, and 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 fair enough. Like you know, I I like there's a price to be paid for for having the privilege of <laughs> being in people's faces for for 35 years you know um it, it's just it's it comes with the territory you know i'm i i actually don't mind it you talked about 20 years ago um this money would have disappeared into all sorts of dodgy companies in ireland um this covid money and you mentioned that in England it has disappeared into all sorts of dodgy contracts. And that is because yeah. uh, there are elements of a kleptocratic culture that's uh, emerging in, in, in Britain with a kind of a Putin-esque figure at the top with also a bad, yeah. like, like a lot of these populists with terrible hairstyle. Um, and, and you've <laughs> written about it consistently really well. I suppose, where do I start? I just want to ask you, why, how does... How does such an obvious, transparent, proven liar get to be the leader at, of a country at this particular point in time? And when you say liar, you say it with impunity. The person is a proven, documented liar. It's just a fact. I mean, it's not, yes, not even a, a, a judgment. It's, it's just, you know, but, I mean, so... One of the weird things that happened to Mario is being a journalist, right? You, you, you have certain... Uh, certain instincts, you know, that are just kind of basic assumptions that you make, right? Uh, and one is that if somebody's caught lying and they're a politician, it's a really bad thing and maybe their career is over, right? Particularly if they've lied in Parliament or that kind of stuff, you know? And if they've done it consistently, you feel, well, like, you know, they, they just can't survive. And so you have to realise that we're, we're in a new era, right? Something has happened about lying. And I think what's happened is partly due to people like yourself, right? And I don't mean you're the, you've encouraged the lying, but satire, political satire has been so effective at um, taking the piss out of the sort of professional politician, 
So you, you had a whole new generation of professional, marketed, uh, focused grouped politicians really who started to take, you know, the Tony Blair phenomenon, you know, who came along in, in the 1980s and, and took over. And satirists were the ones really who, who, who destroyed them. You know, um, you think about something like the thick of it, you know, what that did to that whole kind of way of doing politics. And as this, a result... You mean, you're referring to the uh, satirization of spin. Um, mm. Of spin and, you know, and, and the realization that in a way, this was also a way of lying, right? It wasn't direct, you know, so spin doesn't say black is white. It just says, well, black now is very, isn't it? A, you know, isn't black a very mm. interesting color? And maybe it's not really quite yes, dark. Yes. It looks, you know, whatever. Right? You know, um, and uh, satire did a brilliant job of kind of, you know, exposing all of that and, and the cynicism of it. And it went deep into the culture where people thought they're all liars, basically, you know. And what I want, actually, is somebody who doesn't pretend to be telling the truth. So, so if you look at this with Trump and with Johnson, they're very good examples of it, right? You know, naively, I thought, you know, they'll be found out, right? They're, you, you know, they'll be exposed. <laughs> Their supporters, what they will say is, yeah, of course they lie, but they all lie. And at least we know where we stand with Trump or we know where we stand with Boris because it's a performance, you know. And you get this absolutely weird paradox that people see the biggest liars and the most obvious performers as being more authentic somehow than the standard politician, you know. So it becomes about personality. And you mentioned the hair, for example. This is no, not accidental, studied. right? It's, it's, a, it's a distinctive thing of developing a sort of, I'm different, I'm eccentric, I do my own thing, I play by my own rules. And yeah, of course I'm you know, economical with the truth. And sure, I sometimes tell you what you want to hear, but, you know, so what? It's all fun, isn't it? And Johnson, I think Johnson can be underestimated. You know, I, I, I despise him, but he has an instinctive kind of genius for playing a certain kind of Englishness, you know, and, and, and understanding how that plays with a very large part of English society. It, do you know what it is? Do, do you know what is, it is? It, uh, you could totally continue this, but I'd love to jump in if I may. There's a there's a yeah, good commentator over in England called James O'Brien, who I'm sure you're aware of. And he talks about he talks about two things. He talks about the footballification of politics and that is red and blue. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what my team does. I'm still going to support them. So if my team goes down in the box and dives, it's still a penalty. Uh, if your team goes down in the yeah. box and it's a real foul, you've dived. So in other words, I will defend my yeah. team, whatever. And the second thing is, is what he describes as yeah. a forelog tucking tugging. Um, uh, gene that is within the British person. And that really is a deference to education and power and el the elite. So in other words, when I talk like that, Absolutely. when I talk like Jacob Rees-Mogg and you're young, Fintanir too, and of course you're from the colonies, um, I am of course coming from a position of complete power. And of course, even if you may live in Sunderland and you talk like that, you're going to defer to me because I am the ruling classes. Don't you understand? And there is a natural, oi, 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 sir, sir, sorry about that, sir. And of course, Boris, although he is the furthest thing away from Sunderland you could possibly um, imagine, at least in their mind, he is the caricature of what it is to be an Englishman. He is English to them. That, I, I think that's, uh, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, but, but there's also, he, he, he has... 
he has an understanding of English humour. And the worst thing socially in England is not to be in on the joke. You, you can never be seen to take anything seriously because that's that marks you out as a boring, stupid sort of person. You know, all conversation is kind of in this sort of supercilious tone. And the worst thing to be caught out, it's, it's almost worse than being caught bollock naked on the street, right? Is to be caught not getting the joke. Because if you're not getting the joke, you are the joke, you know? And that, that, that's what it's very deep in English humor, you know? Everything is in inverted commas, you know? And, and Johnson is sort of brilliant at that, you know, which is, and you have to go back to, his how he made his career right so so he was he was in disgrace for lying of course he was fired by the the times london times for lying i mean making yeah. shit up you know and it wasn't even important shit it was about an archaeological dig in london he was a trainee he was sent out to do again a very straightforward story he you know it was a bit too boring he, he just made shit up about it you know and then he he quoted a Oxford medieval historian about this, right? Who was actually, I think, his own godfather. <laughs> and the Oxford historian started getting, uh, being joshed at high table in Oxford saying, you didn't really say that old boy, did you? You know that's really untrue. And he goes crazy, gets onto the editor of the Times and says, but this has appeared in the Times that say, quoting me, I never spoke to the man. <laughs> and then Johnson writes a second piece saying, um, the thing that that Oxford historian said is true is untrue. He obviously doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, really, you know. And eventually, anyway, Boris gets fired, right? He gets found out. He he broke the code. When, you know, he, he, he lied about somebody who was in Oxbridge. If he lied about a, some sort of working class taxi driver, whatever, who, who cares, right? Breaks the code, sent off to Brussels. Uh, sorry, he, he, he's, he's unemployed. He's hired by the Telegraph to go to Brussels. They wanted a liar. A funny, clever. To tell a load liar. of lies about the boring Why old because... bureaucrats. And so, what does he become the expert at? He becomes the expert, and it's kind of genius, it's exactly as you say, the kind of Monty Python humor, right? Which is find a a regulation that's coming in, and extrapolate from that the most absurd thing you can possibly think of, right? So, for example. Uh, people processing food should wear hairnets to stop their hair falling into the sandwich, right? I think we'd all agree with that as a regulation. It's pretty good. It doesn't quite specify exactly. So uh, our British fishermen, our big, hairy-chested, heterosexual British fishermen going out from Yarmouth are going to be made to wear hairnets while they're fishing on their trawlers by the bloody Brussels bureaucrats, right? Or uh, uh, the pro so the, a, a regulation that says if something is is a potato product, it, it must contain X amount of potato. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, must be like ninety percent potato or something. And of course, the Brits were making crisps that were like hideous things. You know, with with all you know, mostly emulsified fat and whatever. And so Boris brilliantly starts a campaign, save the prawn cocktail flavored crisp. Right? Now, he knows it's a lie. His editor knows it's a lie. And in a way, his readers sort of know it's a lie. You know, it's all, 
this is a game we're all playing. And the more outrageous it is, it's trolling. the more fun it is, right? And then all the rest of the press take this up. And so it's a kind of brilliant thing about lying. If you think it's a lie, or if you're offended by it as a lie, it just means you're the idiot yeah. who doesn't get it. It's the trolling, job. though. It's it's trolling. And he may have, I mean, especially, I mean, you've you've written about this, but he may have got Britain and England into a disastrous situation with this Brexit thing for which a lot of his fans, because I will call them fans, mightn't even care because they are prepared, a bit like Trump fans, to engage in a kind of a Jim Jonesian death cult with these guys. They are prepared. I heard, I think it was The Onion, somebody made a good joke the other day. Mike Pence is almost agreeing with the fact that he should have been hanged on January 6th. (laughs) <laughs> you know because Trump said it Trump said well Mike Pence you know he did say bad stuff and uh, Mike Pence is going yeah I think yeah. Mike Pence should have been hanged and it's himself like and uh, you know so there's a yeah. death cult yeah. going on it, yeah. it doesn't matter what anybody believes anymore it's us against them and I will go and die for even something that's wrong completely wrong and I know it's wrong yeah you know like, like in a way we Irish shouldn't be entirely surprised by this you know because we we, we know like a lot of politics recently, up to this kind of you know recent sort of populist surge, was all kind of oh it's all very rational and it's all about you know different actors negotiating and getting what they want on our you know and we know politics is really not just that you know it's it's full of passion and it's full of identity you know I mean, that's what I'm like when I was born in 1958 rationally Ireland should never have left the United Kingdom it was a fucking basket case you know there was a total failure. So if you were just being rational about it, you say, let's go back to London and say, uh, lads, could we come back in? Would I or anybody else Irish, even knowing how much of a basket case it was, have ever said, well, yeah, we'd like to go back into the, the, the into the UK? No, because it's not just about your sense of um, of the rational and whether things are working or not working. It's actually very deep emotional attachments to certain things. The weird thing in Britain is that Ireland had good reasons for this, right? Which is to do with hundreds and hundreds of years of colonization, right? You know, the sense that, well, we had to throw that off, right? Even if there's a cost, it's a cost to be paid. The bizarre thing with, with, with the English, and it's not the Brits, by the way, it's, it's the English, it's a very English thing, right? Which is, is they convinced themselves that they're Ireland, that they were colonized. <laughs> they were colonized by by, yeah. by Brussels, you know, and that they really lost the war. I mean, I, I wrote a little book about this called Iraq Failure, you know, and actually a lot of English people really liked it in a, in a way because they said, yeah, actually, that's true. The proudest moment of my life, by the way, uh, I, you know, is John le Carre um, sent a message to a friend of mine saying, Fintan O'Toole has us bang to rights. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that phrase. It's such a great English phrase of bang to rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you've got yeah, us yeah. bang to rights. You know? But, but he, he, who, of course, had been through all the Cold War stuff and everything else himself, he, he, he really kind of recognized and agreed with this. You know, this, so what I was trying to say, you know, that this imagined, imaginary oppression. And, uh, and Trump did this very successfully in America, but, but the Brexiteers did it with the English, right, which is they're all out to get us. Um, we, we really lost the war, you know, even though our, we, her, heroic sacrifices, the Blitz, blah, 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 the Spitfires, we did all that. But then the Germans, you know, with their evil plan, sucked us into this European Union thing, which is really just the German Reich. And they've made us a colony of, 
of of the German Reich through this kind of subterfuge, you know. Uh, this is mad stuff, but but it's really deep and really serious, you know. And you know, and and, and the, if you're Irish, like the the absolutely mind blowing bit of this is right that there it is a sort of envy of Ireland, right? I, I kid you not, Nigel Farage on his office door in the European Parliament office building, and of course he just sucked money out of the European Parliament. To, you know, t- talk about hypocrisy, right? <laughs> but do, do you know what the photograph on his office door was where other people had photographs of themselves? He had a photograph of Charles Stuart Parnell, which is, I am the Charles Stuart Parnell. He's a liberator. Of, of England. We, I am the liberator. You know, we, 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 are, we are oppressed by this imperial <laughs> power. And you know, we're, we're going to declare independence, you know, Independence Day, Independence Day, you know. And it's it's play acting and it's it's um, it's cosplay, you know, but 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 cosplay as as Ireland. So in this weird mentality, the reason why they can't get over the fact that Ireland isn't leaving the European Union is, but 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 we you know we we really admire we we now admire Ireland for breaking away from us when we were oppressing you, you did it to us. But now, surely you know you should understand we're doing the same thing with with this horrible Brussels Reich from which we are freeing ourselves and you ought to be our allies in this. And and why are you going on about this border stuff? And why are you, you know, why are you not leaving the European Union alongside us? You know, and we, we can all go back into a new United Kingdom. I mean, this stuff is absurd, but, but they, they, that is the it's, mentality. It's truly extraordinary. What I wanted to actually talk about was debate. And one of the most interesting characters I had on this podcast was David Quinn. And David Quinn is somebody that I don't think I'd say if it was a, if you did a, a checklist of the top 10 things he believes in, I wouldn't believe in any of them. But however, what I did appreciate was the fact that he was willing to come on and talk to me and that I was going to let him talk. And I found him very articulate. I found him, in my own, my own opinion, I found him articulate, and persuasive and convincing. Um, and I found he argued his corner really well. I also found, well, at least I asked him and he said, his answer satisfied me that it is our duty to argue with each other. And this is the key word in good faith. And this is the problem that people are going up against each other, Finton, and they're not in good faith at all. They're not going to listen from the very beginning. And they have decided before they talk to you, not only are they against you, but they hate you. Oh, I, 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 I couldn't agree more, Mario, you know, and, and, um, uh, I've always tried to turn up, you know, <laughs> like, okay, if Owen Harris walked out of the studio, wherever, well, at least I was there. You know, I, I, I never said, I'm not going into the studio with Owen Harris. Or, uh, and even during the troubles, like I never said, I won't go into a studio with Jerry Adams or Sinn Féin or, you know, there was a whole, a lot of journalists would say, I'm not, I'm not sharing a platform with them. I'm not going, you know, uh, and I always think you, if you're in the public sphere, you have a duty to, uh, to to debate precisely as you say you know if I have the privilege of being able to say this is what I think well then you know you have to be prepared to defend it there's no point in defending it against people who completely agree with it you know <laughs> um, you you have to defend it against people who don't and 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 uh, I I strongly agree with you you know that that keeping open an arena in which and it's not about blandness right it's not about people not being passionate about what they believe not 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 sometimes being very angry about about the injustices they see or the opposites the opposite views they see um but it is about keeping open that space in which uh, you can actually 
at least have some sort of a dialogue. Um, you know, but both, as you say, for the rest of society, right? So if, if, if people don't see that this is possible, uh, then it just makes everything worse. But also for even for your own sake, like even even purely selfishly, if you are in this business, if you don't expose yourself to 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 opposing points of view, if you don't find yourself having to say, oh, well, what is my answer to that? Uh, then your brain is going to atrophy. You know, you 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 you're just not going to have any energy or or or, or grit in your own um, arguments. You know, you have to be on your toes. So. I entirely agree with that, and I completely agree, in particular, with your with those three words you used, right, which is "in good faith." You know, the idea that um, we both want the same thing, which is the betterment, the improvement. So we might disagree completely, but we actually both have the same aim. My aim is not to take the carpet from under yeah. you or the rug, yeah. or to defeat you, or to or humiliate you. My aim is to get the best for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now the the. The difficulty, I think, that, that, you know, all the sort of shock jock and talk radio stuff and, the, you know, all that culture that really spread from the States from the 1990s onwards it is exactly, as you said, that none of it's in good faith. It's all performance, right? So it's all provocation for the sake of, 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 of provoking, you know. Um, and it's not in good faith as well because people want a kind of unilateral right to provoke, which is... I can provoke you, but then if you're provoked and you answer back, oh, you're a snowflake, you can't take it, you're, you know, you're censoring me, you're cancelling me, all that stuff, you know. Um, so people have to accept that uh, that the, the ground rule is that you don't say anything that you don't believe, you know, uh, that you, 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 you start out with some sort of basic honesty. That's what you owe to your readers or to your viewers or to your listeners or to people who were in a room, you know, uh, debate, you, you, you might be wrong. You probably are. Every, oh, we're all wrong. But you, you, know? you believe in what you're saying. We're, we're just, it's, it's just how yeah. much we're wrong, you know. And, 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 uh, and the, the, you know, there's that. I don't know if you, you're probably too young to remember, but there was a great, really kind of landmark TV series in the 19, late 70s, I think, uh, Jacob Bronowski called uh, The Ascent of Man. It was all these kind of big things where the BBC used to do these things, you know, take you through the entire history of the human culture. Or whatever. And Bronowski was this fantastic intellectual, but he, 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 he ended up in the ashes of Auschwitz, you know, and uh, he just reaches down and he picks up the ashes, you know, and he just says, um, he's talking about the thing we must remember as human beings is... And he uses these words, I beseech you in the bowels of Christ, think it possible you may be wrong. Which ironically for Irish people was a phrase used by oh, Oliver Cromwell, who actually wasn't very good at carrying out <laughs> his own uh, yeah. his own injunction. But it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a critical phrase, isn't it? You know, think it possible you may be wrong. Because if you don't think it possible that you're wrong, then no dialogue is possible, no public realm is possible no politics is possible democracy isn't possible i mean democracy is a system that's based on the fact that that people will be wrong you know and, and that that can be corrected they can be accountable for it you know um uh, the, the only people who can't be wrong are are, are are the tyrants and the bullshitters and the buffoons you know and wrong and right is and wrong and right although it's hard to establish what wrong and right are at the best of times but wrong and right are helped by 
the establishment of certain ground rules and also the establishment of certain facts. Absolutely. And facts are agreed through certain yeah. logistical um, uh, logistical norms that we use, example, exemplified in things yeah. like science and reason. Yeah. Um, uh, to the best of our yeah. ability. And if we can agree yeah. on those ground rules, then we can proceed. But one of the things just to notice about Boris is that, um, I mean, you talk about so far away from it because Boris doesn't care whether he's right or wrong. In fact, he doesn't not, not only does he not know what's right or wrong, he doesn't care if he's right or wrong. And he believes in both right and wrong, depending on which is right for him. So, for example, to wit, the night before the Brexit, he wrote two famously wrote two he wrote pro and against Brexit to uh, showing he doesn't even care which one it was and it's no no it's it's purely instrumental it's purely instrumental you know and 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 actually once you get to a point where uh truth is 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 just whatever suits you at any given time uh, and, and let's be honest, we, we all do this sometimes. Like, so, so you know, human, human beings, we, we, we all do it. You know, I didn't do nothing. You know, it's the, from the time you're two years old and you said, you know, <laughs> did you write down write on the wall with those crayons? No, I didn't. No, 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 I didn't. No, you're standing there with the crayon in your hand and there's a big <laughs> mark on the wall. No, I didn't do it. You know, we, 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 we all, it's, it's built into human nature. But the obligation, if you're privileged enough to be involved in, Public life in the very broadest sense, and you know, journalism and politics and in 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 the arts, you know, it, it is to be um, to, to to try to hold in your head the two things at the same time. Right? One is uh, that I I won't say anything that I don't strongly believe in to believe to be true, and the other is that it is possible yeah. that I'm wrong. <laughs> um, this is very stupid. Like, but uh, I remember as a kid, I was just watching movies as a kid. Sometimes they had big influence on you, you know. And there was a there was a movie I think it was called Scaramouche, and it was one of these things with sword play, things with Errol Flynn and the black and white thing. But there was a there was a, a he, he was the young guy, you know, young handsome guy, and he's he has to learn how to uh, how to sword fight, you know. And he goes to the master, and the master says to him, "He's trying to how do you hold a sword?" And he says. He says, you have to imagine you have a live bird in your hand. And if you, if, you, if you squeeze it too tight, you'll kill it. And if you don't hold it strongly enough, you let it go. And I, don't, I think I was eight or something <laughs> watching this. But it just seemed to me to be, oh, that, that is wisdom. You know, that's, that's so, that's exactly the way I think everything has to be, right? Which is that, you know, w- with opinions, right? You, you know, if you hold them too tight, you squeeze the life out of them. You know, they just become dead things, you know, and, and they're no use to anybody and not no use to yourself. But, but if you don't hold them strongly enough to actually really feel them, um, then they just they just fly away. And we've had a lot of the flying away stuff, actually, you know, and, 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 and of the holding too tight stuff, you know, which is like, so there's a lot of, it doesn't really matter. It's all just a game. It's all just, you know, whatever whatever's going to suit me to say at any particular time. Uh, and a lot of the kind of squeezing dead of opinion, so that it's not even really opinion anymore. It's just uh, like what you were saying earlier, Mario, but, you know, it's just a tribal marker, you know. We, we believe this because we believe it, you know. 
um, and because the other the other shower believes something else. That's that's only that's the only reason. Fintan, um, um, we're in the home straight now. So uh, at this point, I really want to thank you for your time at the because I appreciate that you're very busy and we have gone on very long. You're in the home straight. You're nearly finished, and I hope you've enjoyed. You're enjoying this conversation because if you're not enjoying it, it's going to it's it's been an awful trial for you. So I'll get to the pace where you have to participate now in this, right? So there's been loads of there's been loads of right. people listening to this conversation and uh, they're on the phone okay right. so you but you have to talk to them okay okay so you're willing to talk to them okay so, so Owen Harris is on the line say hello to Owen how's it going oh, hello, Owen, how are you? sort of a Marxist Trotskyite DUP apologist I challenge you <laughs> sorry for a second I challenge you to another debate I've contacted Matt Cooper now the fatwa has been lifted by Communicor and you will be allowed into the building you will have to go up a secret elevator there's no excuse okay now mano a mano one on one the voice of reason clarity integrity and truth versus Fintan O'Toole what do you say <laughs> I'll wear my burqa and I'll, I'll, I'll go in every time great that was see we can debate together uh, Brendan O'Connor is on the line from the Sunday Independent would you like to say hello to him I would indeed. How are you, Brent? How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Um, really enjoying the conversation. Uh, come here. Um, I think people would really like to see um, the lighter side of you. So, um, what, what would you say about sometimes, let's say, doing Dancing with the Stars or something like that? Would you do that if you were offered? I would not? not. And the reason I wouldn't is that I have some respect for the Irish people. And, and I don't want their retinas to be burned with the images that uh, would be projected from the screen. Onto okay, them you, if, could you just tone down the language dancing. there? You've used about four words which the Sunday Independent readers wouldn't understand. <laughs> so could you just use less polysyllabic <laughs> words, please? Could you say uproar or outrage or house prices or something, will you? Thanks. Um, I have another... The sight of me dancing would be an outrage, a shock. That's better. A That's better. I can make that a leader if you don't mind. Um... What about participating in Ireland's fittest uh, intellectual? That would be a great programme. Yourself, Vincent Brown, David Quinn, Kevin I think, Myers. I think that's pretty good. The competition would be pretty, pretty, pretty shitty. So I, I might have Rolling some chance to win that one. Kevin yeah. Myers and John Waters. Johnny Waters, what do you think? Well, that's my secret fantasy. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed it is, you it's hit, brilliant, hit on brilliant. that. You know? Listen, that's great, Fintan. Uh, guess who's on the line? You wouldn't believe it. Boris Johnson is on the line. I mean, I know he loves the media and he loves... He read a heroic failure. He loved it. He's on the line. Say hello to Boris. Hello, sir. I'm tipping my forelock. You can't see it, but... but whoa, 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 whoa. I would like to obviously congratulate you on a wonderful, wonderful book, Heroic Failure, Ipso Facto, Chumba Wumba. Ed idem desperandum, Mr. O2. What per se you uh, partake with me and I with the greatest of respect? Please reply in the affirmative, dear good sir, if you don't mind. I heard you speaking earlier about my predilection, as it were, for copious amounts of, well, shall we say, the Shakespearean swiving of the opposite sex. Um, so my uh, inquisition to you, Mr. O'Toole, is would you like a shag? Um, I, I, I would, but well, not what with you, sir. Jacob Rees-Mogg and Nigel Farage with a picture of Charles Stuart Parnell thrown <laughs> over us as we ride each other. Senseless, O'Toole. Well, I have a little company and, and we're making um, PPE. Um, and I've also... 
kind of fancied being Lord O'Toole of Crumlin. It's so done. Maybe, maybe we done. couldn't negotiate. It's done, 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 done. Brexit is done. O'Toole is done. Congratulations. Well done. That was great. It was great to get the celebs on. Um, we have another caller on, and it's it's actually a guy called, it's a fellow from Crumlin. Uh, he's called Fintan O'Toole. Would you like to say hello to him? Say hello, Fintan. This could be very weird, but yes, hello. Yes, um, if I may be so bold as to um, inquire, Fintan, you are what I would regard in a sense as a kind of, well, your book is a kind of a seminal work of art, neither autobiography or historical chronology, but in a sense, somehow a kind of new uber literature, kind of Kierkegaard meets Captain Kirk. You know, both a distillation of Fintan O'Toole, that is to say me, with the experience of a nation. I humbly, therefore, submit that, um, I submit, rather, that the book, brilliant as it is, and let us not get away from the fact that it is brilliant, should not be called We Don't Know Ourselves, but Fintan O'Toole, I Am Ireland. Or even Misha Era O'Toole. Straight after Sean O'Rea, then, perhaps, in a sense. What do you think, me? I'm just stunned by your perspicacity, your your eloquence, your your compassion, your sensitivity. I am incredible. Um, your, you know, your your and your saintliness. It, it really is just wonderful to think that you know you and I can coexist on the same. I am planet. your id. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just as well you're not my ego, because if that's what the no, it is like, I can imagine. I am your yin, you are my yang. Thank you very much. <laughs> that is brilliant. Listen, I want to leave it there, and I want to do two things. I want to thank you very much for your generosity of time. Um, thankfully, it's early in the morning over there. It's a little later at night here. Uh, thanks a million for taking part in it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope it wasn't too much of an imposition on you and that you enjoyed it as well. Real pleasure. Real pleasure. Okay. Thank you. And uh, thanks a million. And... Uh, Maybe some other time when you've recovered from that, you'll come on at another time and do something else with me because I really enjoyed it. And thank you very much. And that's it from Finton. And that's it from me for this week. Uh, the podcast will be back um, as usual next Thursday, same time, same place. Thanks to you for listening as always, and getting involved and sending me feedback. Mario Rosenstock at gmail.com. I see them all and I'm going to get back to them all, uh, all the latest ones as soon as I can. And of course, thanks to Curry's, our great sponsor, great supporters of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Get yourselves down to Curry's for their fantastic black tag sale. Brilliant big screen TVs, the whole works, you know yourself. Same time, same place next week. See you then. Listener.